I'm Haifa Butterfield at the World Economic Forum. And I'm Miriam Vogel with Equal AI. And this is In AI We Trust. Hi, Kay. Great to see you. Ah, great to be with you today, Miriam. We had fun together in person last week at the Global Technology Governance Retreat in San Francisco with World Economic Forum. Wasn't that fun to actually meet in person? It was fantastic. It was so great to be able to talk with you outside of the box of the computer, although I enjoy these conversations so much. And you hosted such thought-provoking, thoughtful conversations with people across industry, academia, civil society. It was just such a uh, good for the soul conversation. It really got me thinking. Thank you for including me. And please tell our listeners a little bit about the conversations you fostered last week. Yes, so we had one day on foundational technologies, of course, which AI and data are one of them. And then we had a day on more applied uses of AI, for example, in urban transformation. And then we had a day which was very fun for for me because as well as leading the work on AI, I also lead part of the work on quantum. And so those frontier technologies, metaverse, quantum, and I, I had the most fabulous time. We hosted a wonderful dinner for AI, responsible AI champions. And, um, and then we just had great conversations. All the people from our Centers for the Fourth Industrial Revolution were there, their heads and, and often their leads as well. And so it was wonderful to meet them in person, many of whom I'd never met. So yes, an extremely exciting experience and also just sort of looking to the future and you know the metaverse it's all built on ai so another reason we have to get this responsible ai stuff right absolutely and before we're ready to think about the next universe it was so helpful to have that collection of experts from across the globe so that we could have these very substantive open conversations and be very mindful about what counterparts across the globe were also contending with seeing doing so that a there could be collaboration and b lessons learned from what others were already doing or had done which is why i'm especially looking forward to our conversation today with Dr. Edson Prestes. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of In AI We Trust. Joining us today is Dr. Edson Prestes. Edson is a professor at the Institute of Informatics of the Federal University of Rio Grande do Sol, Brazil, where he received his PhD in computer science. He's also the head of Pi Robotics Research Group and CNPQ Research Fellow. In addition to his teaching duties, Edson's involved in a host of other organizations working on issues related to standardization, artificial intelligence, robotics, and ethics. And that includes serving as chair of the IEEE RAS Oblique SA P7006 seven ontological standard for ethically driven robots and automation systems working group. A long title for such an important <laughs> piece of work and um, also involved in other IEEE programs. 
He's also a member of the UNESCO Ad Hoc Expert Group on Ethics and AI, and a member of the United Nations Secretary General's High-Level Panel on Digital Cooperation. So we couldn't ask for somebody with more knowledge and, in fact, more um, international knowledge as well to be with us. So Edson, on to the first question. We're delighted to have you with us on the show, given that breadth of experience and that international involvement in ethical AI. So start us off, how did you become interested in AI and, of course, AI ethics? Thank you so much for inviting me to join this podcast. It's a great honor to be here. And uh, addressing your first question, I joined the artificial intelligence during my master. So I saw some experiments uh, in simulation um, uh, to make uh, a robot to pack autonomously. So I used neural network at that moment, and I made a lot of simulation with mechanical arms and mobile robots to position the robot in a specific point in the environment. And I specialized myself during my PhD, but more focused on robotics and also some um, uh, mathematical uh, methods to address some basic problems in robotics. So since, my, since 1997, I work with AI, with my students in different domain of AI. But uh, in AI and ethics, I joined the global initiative in 2016. And at that moment, I started working with AI and ethics. And my main interest is it's about uh, how we can solve some uh, global issues using AI. And what are these issues? My interest to be involved in that domain is because I come from the Amazon and we have a lot of problems in the Amazon, a lot of problems. And I understand if you use the AI without any reflection about the impact of uh, this new technology, you impact negatively people, people's lives, mainly people from the vulnerable community. By the way, I came from a very poor region in the Amazon, and I know exactly what people go through in the daily life. And uh, that's the reason why I'm involved. And also I'm very curious. It's fascinating, this domain. And the more I learn, the more I love it. <laughs> that is fantastic. I find the more I learn it, the more I love it, and the more I feel like I need to learn <laughs> as well. Yeah, and so exactly. I'm glad. Yes, so I'm glad we get to learn from you today. Uh, it's really interesting how you talk about this unique perspective you bring from the Amazon and, and too often one of the many areas uh, where we don't have enough input in our AI creation and development. And so, uh, you know, you obviously understand deeply the need for diversity and inclusion in our AI design and development and use. That's something that Kay and I talk about often. And I'm wondering, how do you convince people that ethics, diversity, inclusion, these principles that seem uh, to be tangential to AI are really core to its foundation? That is a very interesting question because it is not, it's not so easy, mainly for people that work with technology. Because first, they do not understand, they, they are the main creators of this technology. The technology that you they you develop they impact the, the the people's life. So, 
for them, it's like uh, some of them, of course, they, they are a bit detached about the, the, the technology and the implication of technology. So convince them why it's important to have the different perspectives is not easy because they, they, they think that the new perspective should not be part of the system because also they do not have a correct training, formal training to understand the different view. It's essential to have a, a technology that they are not biased. So uh, what I'm trying to do most of the time is try to present some potential issues, present some stories about the real world implications to show them, okay, that's the reason why you need this different perspective, that's the reason why we need to have this different voice. So it's not easy, it's not easy, but you try to do that. We try to convince. It's like uh, imagine uh, the situation like in the Amazon. Most of the people here in Brazil have some public uh, private health system care. So for people that uh, have access to the private health, do not understand the needs of the public health. So it's not easy to convince them. They need to fight for the public health because they have a lot of people that do not have access to the private health system. It's not easy because that involves some empathy and it's difficult to, to put others in uh, some people in the other shoes to make them reflect on the other perspective. So Edson, that's a really important point. And I think it's not just in Brazil where people need more empathy for those who don't have. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, do you have specific courses on AI ethics that you teach your students? Do you think there should be more of them? And, and do you think that, uh, I know that the IADB is, has just worked on a curricula for 101, basic AI for everybody to, to take if they wish to in Colombia. You know, do you see that as, as something that's necessary to develop responsible AI? So it goes from your students through to the general population. Yes, that is very, very important. That's very important. Because uh, uh, people that work with technologies do not understand the impact of the new technology on people's lives. And to make it this understand is necessary to move their attention to other kind of costs, like uh, sociology, anthropology, psychology, and so on. So it's essential to have uh, this kind of course. Unfortunately, I do not have a specific course on this topic because I'm so involved with several initiatives that I did not have time to think about creating this course. Like in, my, uh, in the undergraduation course, I teach math, combinatorics, graph theory. In the graduate course, I teach robotics. And I have this project in responsible AI, ethics of AI, and so on. So I did not at that moment have time to implement this course, but that is something that I would like to do in the near future to complement uh, the curriculum of the engineers course and also to empower people that work with technology about how important it is to, to reflect about the, the AI, the potential issues. I believe that it's very important to not uh, constrain ourselves only to the university level but also we need to incorporate ethics in all, at all levels. 
I like a lot of some uh, courses, but not exactly related to AI, because uh, when you think about AI in in ethics, I think about uh, applied empathy. For me, it's a reflection about empathy, application of empathy. So if you see some initiatives that uh, focus on how to minimize bullying at schools, like good soft empathy, uh, that is teach, uh, stuff for children. Or if you think about competition to develop some social applications, it, for me, that, are, that corresponds to seeds about how we can uh, have some responsible innovation because you are creating the culture of think towards others. Because when you think about responsible innovation, we need to consider other perspectives. Think of what are the, the issues, how the technology will impact your other life. Basically, it's empathy, compassion, and altruism in place. That's a really helpful application and, and reminding everyone that AI ethics is not a unique subset per se. It's part of the broader conversation of empathy and involvement of others when discussing ethics, because there's no one person who can answer what is ethics, what is ethical. You need to have a multi-stakeholder, multicultural approach. And it needs to be evolving as our considerations evolve and as new technologies take us in new directions. So switching gears a bit to your other work um, outside of the education realm, in November of 2021, 193 countries adopted the first global AI ethics instrument, which was developed by you and a team of other experts appointed by UNESCO Director General Azoulay. Please tell us about the process for creating this instrument and what its purpose is, and why is its adoption so significant? Thank you so much for the question. It was a long process. It's around two years, uh, two years process that starts in November 2019 and finishing in November 2021. And we start establishing uh, this ad hoc expert group. So I'm part of this group together with uh, 23 people from uh, different parts of the globe with a different perspective. So we joined this group and we were responsible for elaborating a recommendation that contains a set of values, a set of principles, and also a set of uh, policy actions, recommendation for policy actions. So observe that this domain first, it's pretty complex. And having this multidisciplinary team from different parts of the globe, it was making this process uh, a bit more easier because to have a, a document uh, as complex as this document, we need to have this different perspective as a solution. Like uh, we cannot only base on the knowledge from people from the global south or from the high income countries, but also we needed the perspective from the global north, global south and other countries with uh, other perspectives and so on. And in this document, we, we try to ground it in the human rights principles and the human rights instruments. We focus on put the planet in the center of this discussion. So we take into consideration the human rights of the instrument. We take into consideration the impact on the environment. And also we focus, we pay, pay attention in, on the gender equality. 
So in that sense, this, this document is uh, a huge milestone in, in that particular sense. And one important aspect is that the, the document that was sent to, to, the, to the UNESCO also received input from the different parts of the globe. So we had several consultations to fill in the gaps, what you propose, because of course, we were in the multidisciplinary view, but if you join the pieces, we do not have the complete view that you want. So we collected several perspectives from the ground. We had a consultation in the Latin America, in different parts of Latin America, in the Africa, in the Europe, and so on. And also we received some input from the observers. So consider all these elements, we review the document and submit to the UNESCO. And after that, UNESCO started uh, intergovernmental negotiation, where the member states uh, invite some experts to scrutinize the document and also to negotiate it. Because we try to be as broad as possible, considering all aspects of uh, ethics of AI, uh, consider all potential domains that will be impacted. But you understand that you have a difference terms of uh, cultural aspect, gender aspect, religion aspect. And the negotiation, it, it was not easy. It was not easy. It was a bit complex. But fortunately, in the end, we had uh, an acclamation. It was approved by acclamation. And we are very happy with that. But what are the main intentions of this document in the end? We expect this document could be used as a compass for the other nations to elaborate the policies, uh, elaborate the plans for artificial intelligence. The complexity of this domain, it was addressed using this different perspective. And I believe that we consider all this richness in this domain that could be used or that could, could fit to different realities across the globe. Another point, that uh, it's also very important to say is that the document could be used by uh, companies, uh, civil societies, uh, about how they should be aware about the ethics of AI, how they should address the ethics of AI in the future. That's wonderful work. And certainly you've done fabulous work on the international stage. There's the IEEE. There's the UNESCO work. And now I want to talk to you about the UN high level panel on digital cooperation. And, you know, obviously all of these have policy impacts. And I know Miriam wants to take those up with you. But I was wondering, you know, you've developed the age of digital interdependence report. So what's next from this report? Oh, that's a, that's quite an interesting question. Also, this report, it was very, very, very nice. Uh, we we define some recommendations to be addressed by the UN in the digital space. Although this, uh, this document focus on the digital domain, if you take a look in these recommendations and documents, it's about AI. Because it's very difficult to separate AI from the digital domain. Like uh, everyone wants to be in the digital domain. And that is, uh, everyone wants to enlist the patterns uh, to, to create value or add value to the product, to the service, be in the digital domain. 
So AI in the digital domain for me, it's inseparable. And in this document, we propose some recommendation in terms about uh, what is necessary to be prepared uh, for, for, the digital, for, for the digital wage. Like uh, it's very important that the institutions and human knows about artificial intelligence and also uh, digital strategy. Because how they, uh, how people, how government uh, will regulate technology if how to have this complete understanding. So one of the recommendations it was uh, human and institutional capacity building programs. Another aspect it's about the internet. Like uh, we would like to use broadly artificial intelligence, but how you can do that without having data representative from the marginalized uh, communities, mm -hmm. for instance. How you can send or exchange data across different nations. So it, that is what important to have a high quality internet. And one aspect that I, for me, it's very relevant that links with, with the, the first question, it's about the human rights. So people that work with technology do not understand the impact of technology on people's life. Okay, so how you could make uh, this understanding easier for them? You could, of course, create uh, several uh, potential situations, collect histories and so on. But we also could make a reflection broadly, like how you can map the human rights principles to the digital age. How you can make this reflection? What would be like freedom of speech, inhuman treatment, mm -hmm. or something like that? Quality of life, how you can make this translation? So that's the reason why we have a recommendation that focus on make a revision of the, the current human rights instruments to the digital wage. So that is one point that is directly linked with the AI, but also we have another recommendation focus on artificial intelligence, where to use states that uh, artificial intelligence systems should be transparent. And also accountability responsibility should be ascribed to humans and only humans. And also the little autonomous machine weapon should be burned. That's another point. And on one point, the focus uh, on a mechanism for the global governance. And we have some recommendation for that. One recommendation, it's about to create a digital common goods. Because at that moment, if you want to create an AI-based system, we need data. But this data came from where? Uh, how uh, startups could collect the data, use this data? That is a very different kind of problem if you consider a big tech company. Because they have data, but the startup, they do not have. And if you want to create a weaker world with weaker opportunity, we need also to uh, make the startup to have some opportunity to appear in this scenario. Even if you want to also to solve some global problems, like, uh, for instance, um, imagine a situation where you have a humanitarian problem. Climate change could be one of them, but uh, disaster situation is landslide. Okay, we could have a collaboration across countries to, to solve these problems. 
And in that particular case, in that particular situation, our proposal is to create a global digital commons, a platform for data where people interested could be access that data. And in terms of companies, we could have data that are created, that are collected using the best data protection regulation to allow the startup to born. That is a point. Another point is to improve the Internet Governance Forum. The idea is to make this forum uh, more strengthened. Strengthening, like um, we could have a policy incubator there where some advisory board, where this advisory board could select or identify the main issues to be discussed with other stakeholders, where one space to incubate policies to be implemented locally. Observe that this space, Internet Governance Forum, it's a, a global space. So we need to have also some global strategy in that sense. We have some uh, proposals, it's uh, to the creation of some observatories for identify uh, some, uh, some uh, issues locally and bring it to the table this issue, discuss this issue to allow the elaboration of a public policy and so on. So at that moment, uh, after, after publishing this report, the UN Secretary General established several uh, roundtables that involved different stakeholders from the government, uh, civil society, uh, business, and so on to discuss how to move forward. And the discussion gave rise to the uh, roadmap on digital cooperation. So all these recommendations are being uh, implemented or pursued. Like um, three weeks ago, I had a meeting with some people that are involved in the discussion for the human rights in particular, because I'm very interested in the discussion and about how to move forward with uh, their recommendation, focus on the human rights. Well, I know we'd love to hear more about that. There, we want to hear much more about each element you just talked about. It strikes me that you have engaged in something that so many of us are often talking about, that if we're talking about responsible, trustworthy AI, it has to be a global conversation. But that in itself presents so many challenges. Where do we have such a conversation? Who is the body? Who needs to participate? Uh, you just mentioned a multi-stakeholder follow-up. Uh, I think that question is probably answered. It needs to be industry, academic, civil society, government. You have to have all the different players participating in order to strike the balance of what's achievable and ambitious at the same time. But we'd love to learn from your experience on, on how you were able to get past some of the barriers of the international construct? You know, how were you able to move forward and decide what was the definitions you were going to be using of ethics or, or human rights? Each country may have its own. So it's a two-part question. First is, what are some top lessons that you think we can all learn from and build on in terms of how you were able to navigate this international agreement uh, across countries and industry? And the second question is, if there were two or three specific recommendations to policymakers from those discussions that you think we should really drill down on and all focus on as a community? If you were to say, these are the three th policies that we need to establish first and foremost before we move to the rest, would you have such policy recommendations? 
Thank you so much. Let me address your first question about how you can deal with this barrier. First, we need to have a common understanding of this different perspective. I remember that uh, when I joined my, my first meeting in this domain, I, I must confess that I, I did not understand what the people are talking about. Because you have a different language. Like what exactly is enable for someone that work with robotics, that work in the mathematics uh, domain of robotics. So that is very difficult and people do not ask uh, this kind mm -hmm. of question for, mm -hmm. not for not being considered silly or naive in the, the domain. So that is a, a point. Another point is also to be, um, it's to it's humility to understand that you do not have all these answers, and also that uh, for a complex domain like AI, it's necessary to have a this different perspective. So that's give rise to the multi-stakeholder, but not only any kind, uh, not only the multi-stakeholder per se, but active multi-stakeholder. Because you could invite someone to the table that does not have appropriate knowledge in that domain. So humility, it's a, it's a point in common understand. And also the empathy, as I, I, I always mention, because artificial intelligence, ethics of artificial intelligence, we need empathy to understand the other's perspective, to, to see why you cannot use this kind of system in other situations. Like, a, if you apply some medical system in the pool region, okay, if how to scrutinize this medical system, who will be more affected? Probably poor people, and not rich people. Like today, we, most of the people uh, talk with chatbots, but chatbots are not the best, best way to do. So humility, empathy, and also uh, in this common understanding. And for the recommendation, you mentioned also uh, what is the best uh, view, ethics of human rights. For me, they are uh, the different side of the same coin because ethics, it's a specialization of human rights instruments. When thinking about ethical issues, we are thinking about the specialization of the implication that impact on human rights principle. So there are, they are the, the different uh, sides of the same coin. If I move to the ethical domain, if I move to the human rights, I'm, pre, uh, I'm pretty comfortable. But of course, the human rights will have a legal, all the legal system anchored in the human rights instrument. So that's better, better to follow human rights, but you cannot discard the ethics because you can make this link. Of course, observe that I'm not an expert on the legal domain, okay? So I'm someone that works with robotics that I am involved with ethics of AI 60, 60 years ago. So, but I'm very curious in that domain, but for me, are the same size. And specifically, if you were able to weigh in, which would be the body to host this conversation to help us move the needle most effectively? In the past, the past month, uh, I've tried to use some of my, my achievements to move this the needle. Because one of the problems that I, I observed is the lack of information. Like uh, 
you want to create you want to create regulation you want to elaborate a concrete policy, public policy and also effective but you cannot do that if you don't have data we, we cannot do that if we do not uh, share experience across the globe because if you do not do this kind of thing we will always reinvent the wheel like imagine the situation where something happens in brazil now and two years later this similar situation happens in uk so in uk they will reinvent the wheel why not to learn what they happened in brazil so the exchange of the information is crucial in that sense I propose a multi-governing uh, framework based on the standard that we just published in the IEEE, the ontological standard for ethically driven robots automation system. I believe that this framework could be used for multiple purposes. One of them would be to improve democracy or foster democracy like uh, anyone in the region could participate in the process, provide the information about uh, what, what's happening with this, this platform in a particular situation, it, what, are, what is the involvement of AI-based system. Provide some uh, food for thoughts for policymakers. Like imagine the situation where you have the globe, we have uh, the Europe, you have uh, Latin America and so on. You could collect the data in Latin America and this data could collect on the ground provided by the citizen, by the companies. This data could be used to formulate uh, policy. And this policy could be sent to the global framework to be shared across nations. In, in that sense, if you have a governance framework, you could exchange information in an unambiguous way. That is a very important point in that conversation because as I mentioned before, one of the problems that I saw is that people do not understand each other. So what exactly is its issue? What exactly is ethics? What exactly is well-being? What is the corresponding to well-being for an Aston culture, Aston person? So it's this, this information changed across the globe. So we could collect that, uh, record all this information and access this information in any part of the globe. So if you have that, we could share the best practices. You could also uh, have better policies, more adequate. You could share, share experience. I totally agree. And of course, in our own small way with our Centers for the Fourth Industrial Revolution at the World Economic Forum, we're sort of trying to do that. And, you know, you mentioned Brazil and UK. What I find interesting is that we developed some work with the UK and then now it's um, in phase two with Brazil. So that's just sort of a fun way of, of seeing some of the things you've been talking about revolving and, and happening. So um, I'm really interested, and I think and Miriam too, in all the good things that AI can do. And you mentioned earlier that you come from the Amazon and the forum, we've been doing some work on pinpointing wildfires, which are such a scourge for everybody around the world. So 
Um, next question, not on ethics, but give me a couple of things that you see as two fantastic things AI can do for humanity. Oh, a lot of things. A lot of things. <laughs> a long list for doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, AI and robotics, uh, like because I am involved with robotics. Today, uh, we had um, a robot here that are being used in this hospital to decontaminate the environment. But the robot operated autonomously. That is one uh, on application that could use the same robots in the, in the airport, in the supermarket, and so on. We used to, used to, to say that uh, the robotics could, um, could solve any kind of 3D problems, dirty, do, and dangerous. Like uh, if, you, if you want to uh, identify and remove landmines that uh, were deployed uh, during a war, you could send a robot, a ground robot, uh, a aerial robot to identify the landmine. When you know uh, most several people in many African and also in Latin America are mainly because they step over the landmine. We could use also AI to create a more personalized healthcare system based on the preference of the users, based on the knowledge that collected from the users. You could provide better, better services to the end user. I could also create a new kind of jobs. Imagine in the factory, we could have some co-robot helping the people in the factory. Of course, we can have some ethical implication in, in that sense, but the robot could help. We could uh, use a robot in the self-driving car. In fact, uh, we could use the AI in the self-driving car. And in that sense, not only to transport people, but also uh, take medicine from a, a point and to another, or use the same robot to deliver medicine in the hospital. You can use the robots to identify victims in the landslide uh, risk zone. Uh, we can use AI also and robots in the precision farm to identify where some pest seeds should be deployed. So we have a lot of application in AI and robotics. Observe that when I'm talking about robotics, I'm also talking about the AI as a component of robots. Well, Edson, thank you for those answers. Kay, thank you for asking that question. I'm already feeling more optimistic. It's so exciting <laughs> to hear about the ways that AI will be our partner in benefiting humanity and helping us provide more human rights, um, more efficiency, but in all the important ways you're talking about, helping us stay safer and healthier. And uh, so I'm very encouraged by your comments and love hearing those ideas. And to maintain the optimistic view as we close out our conversation today, we like to close each of our conversations by asking our guest if Kay was to give you a magic wand and allow <laughs> you to make a wish for how we can achieve responsible AI, what would you wish for? Oh, my wish. Uh, my wish, it's a more basic wish. Uh, I'd like to, the people or the work, the, 
that people that are involved with direct indirect technology uh, would be more empathetic, more compassionate, and also more altruist in the development of new technology. Because if they are more empathetic, they will think toward others. They will try to mitigate the potential issues during the design of the system. And they also could uh, spread the word about uh, why social problems should be addressed with new technology. So Absolutely. that's my wish. Yeah. <laughs> I entirely agree. I remember many years ago, or I mean many years ago in the AI panoply, um, <laughs> the Mustafa Suleiman, um, who was at DeepMind in those days, said that what the world needs to conquer is the fact that there are more people in AI trying to sell soft drinks than are trying to organize <laughs> clean water. I think that that sort of says it all about how we're deploying the people who work in AI and things that we need to really think about. So thank you so much, Edson, for being on our program and, you know, talking about the international ways that we can think about responsible AI. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much again for inviting me to join this podcast. I really enjoy to talk with you, Kay, and you, Miriam. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Edson. This has been our privilege. Well, Kay, what an enjoyable conversation and how thought-provoking to learn from Edson's experiences, deep experiences coming from the Amazon, applying his life's history to robotics, uh, as well as his experiences across the global stage in policymaking and, and in other frontiers. What were some of the big takeaways for you? Well, I think for me, you know, he said that ethics was merely an application of empathy. He talked about the fact that, you know, people who had um, private medicine really needed to understand and empathize with those people who didn't. And, you know, recreating human rights for a digital world. As a human rights lawyer, this is obviously music to my ears because it's something we have to think about doing. But also I liked the way that he talked about a global commons because you know, one of the things that we do at the forum a lot is think about how do we take everybody with us? It's all right having policies for the United States and Europe, but how do we make sure that everybody has those great benefits that we know come from AI? So I thought that the way that he answered the question at the end, that you know, he wanted developers to think more carefully about what they were doing and who they were doing it for, and to show some humility and accept that they don't have all the answers. I hope that was great. I thought so too. I really liked his, uh, as you say, his connection between human rights and ethics, the corollary between the two, how one is a tool of the other, and his constant focus on empathy. You know, um, we're often talking about how do we build trust? How do you build a culture that supports trust and responsible AI is the result of that culture. And I think he brings up a key element that uh, in order for there to be trust, we have to believe that this tool was created for us, is safe for us, uh, can apply in our life both safely and in a helpful way, or else we have no reason to use it. And I think he's right. A lot of that comes from believing that there is empathy from understanding 
understanding that those who are involved in creating and deploying the technology understand who I am, where I am, how I will need this tool, and that it will come through for me when I need it in a way that is applicable in my life. And, and some of the ways that he has had those conversations across the globe at IEEE, UNESCO, et cetera, uh, it's so helpful to learn from those lessons. We have so many great studies out there. And I think what it's clear to me we need to do now is build from those reports and start applying the lessons learned. There's so much good thinking out there and so much clarity on what needs to be done. Uh, so I hope we can all move forward together and start achieving some of those goals that he hopes for both with his magic wand and his policy recommendations. Absolutely. To that end, I think you are about to give a speech on this subject and I too, I'm in Vegas um, at HPE's Discover Conference, and I too am just about to go and give a similar speech. So I'll look forward to seeing you next week. I look forward to it, Kay. Take care. Subscribe to or download our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. And if you like the podcast, please rate us or give us a review. To learn more or get involved, visit us at www.equalai.org and www.weforum.org. And a special thanks to NP Agency, without whom this podcast would not be possible.